Hello and welcome to the Technical Foul Podcast. My name is Varun Shankar and I'm joined by Owl and Chief Owen Godimer. Owen, how you doing, man? I'm well, Varun. How you doing? Pretty good. Warming up after that game we went to last Friday night. We're recording this on Monday night, so let's talk about that game. We went to, we both were at the Potomac Falls at Riverside game that ended with a 14-7 Potomac Falls victory. What are your initial takeaways from that game? Well, one initial takeaway is both you and I called that uh, Potomac Falls upset over Riverside. Um, so that's a that's a big win for us. Um, two, a little bit surprised. Uh, we talked about in our last episode uh, how we th- thought Jalen Coker would factor into the game and almost a non-factor. Um, not anything Coker did. Just really never got an opportunity. Uh, didn't get many touches in the backfield. Didn't get many targets as a receiver. Uh, he, he didn't really play a huge role. He did return a kickoff or a punt, I think, for a touchdown that got called back uh, for a block in the back, um, which we both talked about being a possibility with his explosiveness. I was a little bit stunned by that. Um, but I think Potomac Falls, uh, you know, they, they fought their way through it um, and made it happen at the end, got the win, and they're going to get to play in a semifinal next week or, or, or this week, excuse me, against Stonebridge. You talked about Coker not really having that many opportunities. He had one huge deep pass that would have been for a touchdown. <clears throat> but uh, he dropped it, and even after the game, he admitted that he should have caught that. But, yeah, I mean, I was kind of confused why they weren't giving him the ball that much. I don't know if it was because of how Riverside was playing him defensively. They did put uh, Jack Selman, their number one cornerback, on him. So maybe that was a factor in the game plan. But there was no jet sweeps to him. There was no little wide receiver screens. I mean, it was just kind of weird, to be honest. Yeah, he got one carry, I think, late in the third. Late in the fourth, Late in the fourth, yeah. Um, And he went, Yeah, I think he picked up eight yards and got a first down. Um. So, he, I mean, he looked good running the football. Didn't look like anything was off with him. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if they, they try to target him a little bit more when they play Stonebridge. Um, it's obviously an uphill battle for Potomac Falls having to play Stonebridge. Uh, and you'd think if they have any shot at all, Jalen Coker is going to factor into that shot heavily. Um, I assume Stonebridge is going to do some things to make sure that he doesn't get the football. Yeah, we'll talk about that game in a second. Let's move on. to. Do you have any other things you want to talk about in this game? Um, I mean, we can talk about the big play that happened that uh, the, the whole town's probably talking about still. Sure, let's get into um, that, yeah. Uh, to set the scene for anyone who wasn't there, what happened was, near the end of the game, down 14-7, to Riverside had the ball in their own territory, and they basically called for a double pass. They threw it, uh, The quarterback threw it back to Selman on what looked like a wide receiver screen. Selman then caught the ball and threw it downfield to another Riverside offensive player who ran down inside the Potomac Falls red zone. The play was then called back due to an illegal forward pass, as they called that. Both of the passes thrown by the Riverside players were um, forward, and that declared the play uh, null, and then Riverside ended up losing the game, obviously. So, first off, did you think the call was correct? I mean... uh, I was not on the, the field. Where I was on the field, I couldn't really see. I've watched the play on replay about 45 times now, um, <laughs> like five or six times before you called tonight. Uh, yeah, I think the refs got it right. I think it was a double uh, a double forward pass and a legal forward pass. Um, it's a close call. Um, if anything, it was very borderline. Uh, and the way that Selman kind of fell forward uh, to catch the pass definitely could have affected the call. Um, it looked like the quarterback's back foot was on the 24-yard line. Selman caught it somewhere around the 24. 
Uh, really hard to tell on the replay we have, but um, definitely not as egregious as a lot of people thought it was. No, yeah, uh, it was definitely a very close play, and I'm not 100% sure. I've looked at, like like you said, I've looked at it so many times, going frame by frame on the YouTube replay up on StatStream's account, but I haven't been able to really get a definitive ruling, that sh a definitive angle that shows that Selman was behind, that it was a backwards pass, so... I'm going to lean towards the referee because if you look at where the referee that threw the flag was, he had great position to see exactly what um, exactly what the position of both players were. But my thing is, especially if it was supposed to be that close of a call, it seems kind of weird to, as a referee, I feel like you only call that if it's egregious. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think that the, the flip side is they don't call that and the Potomac Falls fans probably lose their mind. Um, I mean, the like I said, it was a borderline call. I think that Selman falling forward to catch the pass, it wasn't a great pass. Um, I think that probably aided in the fact that the referee threw the flag. Again, though, I've watched it, you know, dozens of times, and I've watched, uh, you know, about 90% of those times, I think it was a forward pass, uh, the first one. So, um, I mean, I think the refs got it right. Now, if they hadn't called that, Riverside's down inside the 17-yard line uh, with about probably 35 seconds to play, maybe less than that. Um, they hadn't really moved the football at all. Um, so as much as I would like to say maybe this would have affected the game, I don't think it did. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, the Potomac Falls defense played well enough uh, to keep Riverside kind of grounded, and that play alone didn't win them or cost them the football game. Yeah, uh, I have an article coming out about this, I think hopefully tomorrow, but there was one specific sequence after Riverside blocked a punt in the third quarter and had great field position to take advantage of, uh, to take advantage and tie this game. That the Potomac Falls defense was just, I mean, incredible. I mean, Colin Araki, their senior defensive end, came off the edge two times and just disrupted the play in a way. I mean, that it was absolutely dominant, to be honest. Yeah, they looked good. Uh, they, you know, they made things happen defensively. You mentioned Colin Iraqi. He, he did a great job. Actually had a couple of big plays late in the game. Um, some, maybe one that, that went unnoticed, uh, kind of forcing the Riverside quarterback to back down from a pass he thought he was going to be able to make. Um, overall, though, uh, Potomac Falls, I think, was the better team. They showed up. Uh, nothing against Riverside. They were without their starting quarterback, A.J. Dar. They had to start a freshman, Will Lind, at quarterback in a playoff game. Um, in a 4-5 matchup. So I think Riverside did everything they could. You know, at the end of the day, sometimes that's the way the, the apple falls and, and uh, Potomac Falls moves on. Potomac Falls does move on. We'll preview their matchup with Stonebridge a little bit later. But before that, let's talk about the recap of Loudoun Valley at Hanley. And this was one that we got wrong in our predictions. We went 7-1 and one in our eight games that we predicted. This was the one that we got wrong as Loudoun Valley moves on after a 13-9 victory over Hanley. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the key here is, uh, and we talked about it in the last episode, we thought the difference was going to be Hanley senior quarterback Malachi Emo. He was non-existent. Um, the, the, let me give credit to a couple of, uh, of groups first. The Valley defensive line was stout. I mean, one of the best performances I've seen uh, from a team uh, that came into a game as a five seed. Uh, they were absolutely ridiculous. I was actually watching the game live uh, through our partnership with StatStream. We were streaming the game live uh, on our website, and 
uh, uh, Hanley scored their touchdown. Uh, so they were, it was tied six, six Valley had missed, uh, had kind of butchered their extra point attempt after their first touchdown. I was sitting there watching with my dad and said, Hey, don't be surprised if this defensive line breaks through and blocks this punt or blocks this extra point. Cause they have just been dominant. And what do you know? They come through and block <laughs> the extra point. Um, they were tremendous. Uh, Valley was able to, to keep Malachi emo in check. Uh, there was actually an interesting kind of, uh, situation here that Hanley late in the fourth quarter attempted a double pass, uh, similar to the Riverside Potomac falls situation had a guy wide open in the, uh, it would have been a touchdown, no doubt touchdown, no one within 10 or 15 yards of their receiver and just dropped the pass wide open. Uh, it was just him and him in the grass between the end zone and, and where he was. And, he dropped the pass, and ultimately what it came down to is Valley bullied their way into another score that ended up giving them the win. Yeah, they scored on a fourth and goal with under a minute left in the game. Obviously, a huge win for that program in a game that, no, I mean, we didn't expect them to win, and not many expected them to win. The next game, we're going to talk about Millbrook at Broad Run, the Spartans winning 36-24, to 20, sorry, 34-26. to 26. Huge story coming out of this game. Mitch Griffiths did not play at all, and his availability for this Friday's game is unknown. His younger brother and backup quarterback, Brett Griffiths, played very well, putting up 34 points against a pretty good Millbrook defense. However, I mean, look, Millbrook scored 26, so this is a broad run defense that's been incredible this entire year, but against Millbrook, they look kind of mortal. Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing that you'll notice when you watch these Northwestern district teams, which we don't get to see any more of this year because Loudon basically took care of that. Uh, Liberty was the only team that that escaped the quarterfinal from the Northwestern district. Uh, They're really offensive powers. Um, I don't know if they play defense in the Northwestern district. (laughs) Again, not the offensive, but they put up ridiculous amounts of points. Um, so, so someone scoring 26 points, not surprising. Against a broad run team, maybe a little bit more surprising. Uh, they were able to, to kind of do that uh, or put that kind of damage up on the board. Um, I don't think that it's broad run necessarily being mortal as much as it's, you know, the Northwestern District knows how to score. Millbrook knows how to score. Um, I mean, that's a testament to how Loudoun Valley played because Hanley didn't score. Uh, I mean, they scored a few, but didn't really score. Um so, yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if Mitch Griffiths is available for the, the semifinal matchup. Uh, Brett Griffiths has done a great job filling in for him. Two starts now uh, for the fresh or for the sophomore, excuse me. Um, and he's looked good in both of those starts. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see if Mitch shows up. Uh, at the end of the day, though, even without Mitch Griffiths, Loudon Valley, that's a tall hill to climb to get past broad run. Uh, they did hang around with them in the regular season, though. They did, yeah. We'll get to that preview in just a second. Before that, let's breeze through the rest of these recaps. Robert E. Lee loses to Briar Woods 35-0. Nothing Nothing really out of the ordinary. That's what we predicted. You have anything specific you want to talk about? Uh, No, that was kind of as expected. Uh, Cool to see Briar Woods get a a playoff shutout. Yeah, that that is pretty cool, yeah. Uh, Sharando at Tuscarora, 47-17. Huskies win. Again, expected result. The Gick Brothers played great. Bryce Dukes. Matai Fitz. I yeah. mean, this is, this, is just, this is just a loaded team all around. Yeah, Bryce Duke and uh, Ethan Gick, the running back and quarterback, combined for 329 Ooh. yards on the ground, six touchdowns. Uh, they only carried the ball 35 times combined. They're basically averaging 10 yards a carry. That's incredible. Um, I, I mean, tw- yeah, yeah, what were you saying? 27 points in the third quarter for Tuscarora. 
Um, it's a team. It, it's a little bit different for Tuscarora. They're used to putting teams away early. Uh, this team, if they get through Liberty, which I, I know we'll preview that, if they get through Liberty, though, that Broad Run Valley game, whoever wins that, they're going to have a battle. Uh, Tuscarora hung around with Broad Run early in the season, and they are just getting better every week. Yeah, they, they look, I mean, they're firing on all cylinders right now, and they're a scary matchup. They're peaking at the right time. Uh, John Champ at Freedom, uh, they lost 60-6. to Again, this was against one of the best teams in 6B. This was a good season for Champ, nonetheless. They held their own in a really uh, tough conference. That was also Tyler Savage's last game as a John Champ player. Yeah, uh, you know, this is, again, kind of as expected. Uh, the Knights uh, kind of keep getting themselves into great playoff, uh, you know, making the playoffs every year. They're just, unfortunately, in one of the toughest uh, regions in the state of Virginia and uh, had a matchup with one of the best teams in the state. Uh, you know what happens. Um, Tyler Savage done playing football for the night, but basketball season is right around the Indeed it is. Before we go on to the previews of these games, um, I've heard that John Champ might be moving back down to 5C. Is that what you've heard as well? Uh, yeah, there's uh, potential for that to happen. I mean, I don't like making any predictions because the way VHSL and all of it's handled, I really can't explain it. <laughs> um, I mean, I think at some point that could happen, absolutely, as Light Ridge opens up next year. Um, I think they're drawing kids from John Champ, so that that could potentially happen. Uh, it won't be at least for another year, though, because we're on a I think we're on a two year or four year cycle uh, with district alignments, and they'll realign after two years at the very least. Um, so it, it'll at least be another year, unless something dramatically changes in the way VHL handles alignments. All right, got you. Um, Independence lost forty-two to six at Goochland. They got it the last second of the playoffs. Had a hugely, an extremely tough matchup. Nothing out of the ordinary there. Uh, anything specific about that game? No, I mean, great season for the Tigers being able to sneak their way into the playoffs. Uh, really a 10 seed in the region. Uh, but they found a way to get in, and, and uh, that's a team that I believe will return every single player from their roster. Uh, unless something goes wrong in terms of someone moving or whatnot, uh, they will return every single player. And they put up big offensive numbers for a first-year school. Um, I anticipate them to... to uh, make a little bit more noise in 2020. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a team that could, like you said, it's a team that could make noise. They're incredible offensively, man. I mean, they just put up points like no other. Uh, Stonebridge and Woodgrove both had buys this week, so they will not, uh, they will play their first actions in round two. So let's talk about round two. Let's start with Briar Woods at Woodgrove. The last time these two played, Briar Woods shut out the Wolverines, 28 to nothing. How does Woodgrove need to adjust their game plan to win this game? Uh, I really think that the adjustment just needs to come on them clicking offensively. Um, I don't know that. I think that Briarwood's game uh, early in the season, they were without, uh, Woodgrove was without Price Williams. I don't know if he's back. Uh, I know when, when Woodgrove played Stonebridge later on in the season, he was out, but uh, I heard that he had, he'd had he be making a return, and he's kind of their big their big weapon in terms of being able to run the football, catch passes. Uh, he's a guy that is going to be a handful if he's back against Briarwoods. Um, I mean, I really think it's just about getting the things flowing in the passing game and in the running game. Uh, Brett Johnson, the, the quarterback at Woodgrove, has a tremendous arm. Uh, if they can get the running game going a little bit, uh, that should help open some things up for him in the passing game. Uh, again, if Price Williams is back, that's going to 
tremendously help the Wolverines. Uh, you did mention they got shut out 28 nothing. I do not anticipate Woodgrove getting shut out in the, the region semifinal. Uh, it'll be a good matchup. I actually have been wavering back and forth on this, and I don't know if I'll uh, officially lock in a pick until Friday when I get there for the kickoff. Um, right now, I'm leaning a little bit towards Briar Woods. They're running hot. Uh, Woodgrove had an off week, which sometimes helps, sometimes hurts. Uh, but we'll see when we get to uh, when we get to that game on Friday. I'll try to feel out the energy level and, and make that final decision for myself then. All right, yeah. Um, I've been kind of riding the Briarwoods bandwagon this entire year. I saw them play against Riverside. Really loved watching Christian Green play. He's an exciting player, electric. I, I'm going to pick them against Woodgrove, I think. I don't think it's going to be a 28-0 shutout. I think it's going to be a much closer game. But I think the the <clears throat> the advantage of having beaten Woodgrove already will give them like kind of like a needed boost to go inside a really hostile enemy territory and come out with a win. But the thing is, they've been really inconsistent all year, the Falcons have. I mean, they run hot and cold, like you said. I mean, they've been... Last game against Robert E. Lee was great, but before that, they lost to Potomac Falls. And, you know, it's a team that's really been up and down. It's going to be interesting to see how Coach Daniel Bruden tries to get some consistency out of his team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you mentioned Christian Green. Expect him to be a, a difference uh, and see if he can rally his rally his team around uh, Woodgrove for the second time this year. Next game is Loudoun Valley at Broad Run. Big question, obviously, is Mitch Griffiths going to be playing? We don't know yet. If he does play, I mean, it depends on how effective he's going to be with an injury. That's probably going to be lingering. Yeah, well, he played kind of with a banged-up leg against Stonebridge, and he was hecka of uh, uh, <laughs> You know, he did a fantastic job when it comes down to it. Uh, dude was hobbling onto the field, scoring touchdowns uh, against one of the best teams in Virginia State, a perennial power in Stonebridge. Um, if Mitch Griffiths plays, I think that this is really a, a, a non-question, um, as well as Loudoun Valley did play against Hanley in the quarterfinal. Um, we'll see. They're going to be riding a high. Uh but this is uh, as good as Malachi Emo was at quarterback for Hanley, and the Vikings were able to shut him down. Mitch Griffiths is, you know, 10 to 15 times better than that in terms of being able to do it all. Malachi Emo, more of a running quarterback. Uh, Mitch Griffiths can do it on the ground, can do it through the air. Um, it will be interesting to see. And like we talked about, if Mitch Griffiths is unavailable and Brett Griffiths has to play, Brett Griffiths has been as good as you'd expect from a sophomore, maybe better than you'd expect from a sophomore. Yeah, I think um, he's with, surpassed oh, I mean, all expectations for him. Yeah, really no surprise. Uh, his last name is Griffiths. And <laughs> kind of seen how, how that family has trended over the years. So um, it'll be an interesting matchup, especially because Valley hung around with them 28-14 in the regular season. Um, I do anticipate Broad Run uh, bullying their way past Latin Valley, though. Yeah, I'm going to say, regardless of if Mitch or Brett plays, I'm going to go with Broad Run. They are undefeated for a reason. I think that defense is going to rebound against uh, Loudoun Valley, who only put up 13 against Hanley. And I think that the Broad Run Spartans will move on. Next game, Tuscarora at Liberty. This is going to be a great game. The number three seed versus the number two seed. What are you thinking? I'm actually going to go out a little bit on a limb here. And this might surprise some people, but I actually am thinking Tuscarora in a blowout. Wow. Um, Tuscarora has continued to steamroll teams time and time again uh, and Liberty has hung around with just about everyone yeah Liberty's 11-0 and and I get it Tuscarora has a loss Tuscarora's only loss against Broad Run 
Uh, we talked last week. We did not expect County to get blown out by Liberty. County hung around. They only lost 21-14. Um, Tuscarora is clicking on all cylinders, and there is not a team in this area that I'm more afraid of than the Tuscarora Huskies right now. Um, I really do think that this is going to be a four-score game. Wow. You heard it here, folks. The number three seed is predicted to beat the number two seed by four scores, according to Owen Godimer. I mean, listen, we've talked about Tuscarora a lot, and with good reason. Other than Broad Run, I don't see... I mean, they're on par with Broad Run and Stonebridge and these other programs right now. I mean, the Gick brothers are, I mean, phenomenal. That defensive line... Uh, with Gick, Matei Fitz, I mean, they just come, it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I feel bad for any quarterback that has to go against them. Yeah, um, Matei Fitz was just named the Dallas District Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and what's scary is this probably the second best defensive lineman in the district is also on Tuscarora, Noah Gick. Um, it's, that's a scary team to play. Like we talked about, Bryce Duke and Ethan Gick, uh, over 300 yards combined rushing on 35 carries last week uh, and six touchdowns. Um, and Ethan Gick can throw the football, uh, maybe not as efficiently as Mitch Griffiths, but uh, he, he's a uh, he is as elusive as they come, as elusive uh, as I've seen. Um, maybe one guy over my last five years covering high school football that was uh, more elusive than Ethan, Ethan Gick at quarterback. Um, so yeah, I really do anticipate the the defense stepping up, the Tuscarora offense stepping up again. We talked about the Northwestern District isn't isn't really known for the defensive prowess and the Tuscarora offense is known for scoring touchdowns. Um, so it, it would not surprise me at all if this uh, game got ugly, uh, maybe not early, but if the game got ugly at some point, I would not be surprised. All right. Last game here, Potomac Falls at Stonebridge. Listen, Potomac Falls has had a great season, but I don't see this being, I don't see this being too tough a game for the Bulldogs. Yeah, this is probably the one game that uh, most people are, are going to be on the same side about. Uh, Stonebridge, they have all the pieces they need. Uh, yeah, they're without their their top receiver, Ty Felton, who's been out throughout the season, so they've had to adapt uh, all season. Uh, they have the weapons offensively to put up scores. They'll feature four or five different guys carrying the football. Uh, Billy Wiles can throw the ball a mile. Uh, Jared Cole is maybe the quickest guy in Loudoun County. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is probably the, the one uh, the one clear one this week. Um, it would be cool to see Jalen Coker score a touchdown in his final game as, as a Panther. Uh, you know, he's done so much. Him, Leo Burns, played great uh, on Friday night against Riverside. It would be cool to see those kind of guys that are heading out uh, have a last hurrah. But, uh, yeah, I anticipate Stonebridge rolling here. All right, there you got our picks. I've got Briarwoods, Broad Run, Tuscarora, and Stonebridge as our four picks. We went 7-1 last week. Let's see how we do this week. As always, folks, listen and watch the Technical Foul Podcast. Go check out our videos on YouTube. We'll have more interviews coming in the winter with Loudoun County's finest athletes. And then go check out Loco Sports for playoff coverage of football and more as we move into the winter season. Go check out my piece on the Riverside Potomac Falls game. That's locosports.info. As always, I'm Varun Shunker at by Varun Shunker on Instagram and Twitter. He's at Big O underscore Godimer. Signing off. See you guys next time. <laughs>